All right. Shall we get this started? Yes. All right. Hello, everyone. I am the person you've been listening to talk to for the last five minutes. Uh, another, if you don't know me, my name is Bria Lavornia. I am the managing editor over at Tashi Station, and I also write about comics over on StarWars.com. Uh, like I said, I'm your moderator today, and before we get any further, I'm going to let all my panelists introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Brian Larson. I'm half of the co-founding duo of the Tashi Station blog and podcast network. I'm also the host of uh, Tashi Station Radio, the Kanji Cast, the Mouse Droid, Tashi Station Brew House, <laughs> and of Dyson Droids. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Christine Evans. I, I'm one of the contributors for the uh, Coal Hill AV Club. Uh, let's mix up our uh, our fandoms here just a little wee bit, you know, at Moonlight a little bit. And also one of the contributors uh, to a compilation um, uh, essay book that just came out that is called Why I Geek, an anthology of um, fandom origin stories. Uh, my name is Alex, and I am half of the YouTube channel Star Wars Explained, and that, that's about all I do. <laughs> Uh, my name is Sarah. I write for the fan site 1138, and I'm also one of five hosts on the Padme Amidala-themed podcast, Podme. Yes! <laughs> uh, my name is E.K. Johnston. I wrote Star Wars Ahsoka and the forthcoming Star Wars Queen's Shadow, which I couldn't talk about last year, and I'm super excited to talk a little bit about this. I'm really glad she announced it like three days after Dragon Con last year, because by the time Dragon Con was over last year, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but did you write anything in this anthology? Oh, I did actually write something in this anthology. Um, Ashley Eckstein and I collaborated on By Whatever Sun, which is the medal ceremony from the point of view of Miera Larty um, at the second last of the book, I think. All right, so to start things off, what was everyone's favorite story in the anthology? I know it's a hard question. <laughs> Here's a cheat sheet. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember the titles off the top of my head. There are also books in front of you. It's been a while. Uh, it, it was a Duty Roster by Jason Fry. Oy, 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 oy. It, it, the easier question would be, which one made you cry first? Oh, uh, no, that's a, um, no, <laughs> no, the one that made you cry. That's We're, we're getting to that. That's three questions down. It pretty much is. Um, the, the one that, oh, dear Lord. Um... <laughs> It really, that's, it's almost impossible, and I didn't bring my reading glasses, so this does not help. Um, by whatever son, really, honestly, yes, someone ended me. We had a conversation on Twitter about that one, uh, and, um, oh, God, uh, the Alderaan Moon one. Uh, Eclipse. Eclipse. Eclipse, thank you very much. Yeah, between those two, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh to stay on brand desert sun the big story but i really did really love it uh but i think duty roster is probably my favorite one too just the the idea that someone was like let's make a story about the other actor that played wedge was hilarious to me uh, my favorite was definitely master and apprentice by claudia gray because i mean qui-gon is one of my favorites and i love the force and just the way she like wrote it just it literally brought me to tears um, mine is There Is Another by Gary Schmidt, which I actually got to hear Mark Thompson read at New York Comic Con that year. And um, the way that it was set up, all of the authors were in this like curtained off area at the back so that if we were having like nervous breakdowns, you couldn't see us in front of this enormous crowd. Not speaking from personal experience or anything, but um, so we're all backstage and Mark Thompson is out front, like switching back and forth between, as far as I could tell, the reincarnation of Alec Guinness and Yoda without breathing in between them. And so there's like 
17 or 18 authors backstage, and we're all like, because <laughs> we don't want to like make any noise because we want to hear it, but it was absolutely incredible. For me, I accidentally read half this anthology in public at a convention. Don't do that. So I, I had a meltdown at an artist alley table reading Eclipse. Uh, but I think the one that's my favorite has to be of MSE Six and Men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> I was like, here's a nice story about a boy and his mouse droid. And then everything got really sad at the end. And so I had a meltdown sitting outside of Camden Yards. It's fine. Uh, I, I feel like everything got sad at the end is kind of a recurring theme in this anthology. Yes. <laughs> it's, like, it's very funny. And then we and all then cry. We, and then we start. It's basically the moral of Star Wars, right? Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what makes this book so special. Because it's something that we haven't We've seen anthologies in Star Wars before, and we've seen authors collaborate, but it's 40 different stories, but I think it's 43 different authors. So do you guys want to talk a little bit about this? Can I go first? Yes, okay. okay. So when Elizabeth asked us all to do this, she was the editor of the project, um, she really had no idea how it was going to go. Like It was kind of like a real passion project of hers, and she loved the idea, and um, it was for this really great charity called First Book, and so we were all really excited. And then, like, as soon as it was announced, nobody was really expecting the response that we got. And, like, within 10 minutes, you couldn't tell which were the actual, like, promo things and which ones were, like, the joke ones that people had made because <laughs> they were all brilliant. And, like, by the time Comic-Con rolled around, there was, like, this huge packed-out room with a waiting list. And, like, we signed, like, 500 books that morning. And, like, it hit the New York Times bestseller list, which does not happen with anthologies, really. Like, it, it sort of doesn't. And just the response from you guys was fantastic. And it was totally, totally unexpected and like absolutely beautiful. So coming from like the, sorry, I was joking earlier that I have like my fan hat and my pro hat. This is like the pro hat person talking. It was just so unexpected and so wonderful. And I still don't know why. So if you would like to explain it, go ahead. Well, I know for me, like what, what really drew me to the book was just how different each story was. Because, I mean, you know, I've read the, like, Tales from Moss Eisley Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace, and they all kind of tend to be sort of, like, the same style and tone. But this one, it was just, like, everything was all over the place in a good way. And so, you know, you got, you got like, the pilot stuff. You got the Jedi stuff. You got, you know, just a little bit of, of something, truly something for everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of background characters. I mean, I think one of the things that makes Star Wars so special is that literally everyone has a story. So yeah, like Tales from Jabba's Palace and the Cantina, I used to love those books because they focus on the background characters. And yeah, getting 40 stories, uh, I, I was over the moon when they announced it. Yeah, it's it, the same thing with me. I mean, I have been a, a Star Wars book addict uh, since I discovered them. It's quite literally what got me through my college years and I learned to read and walk at the same time because I was so busy in college that I could only read while walking from one end of campus to the other so um and digging through sofa cushions to find change to go and buy the next one so for the idea of being able to fill in those gaps uh, we all as fans have written I mean what is now called fan fiction but what we I would as a kid call a what if you know, what if we could hear the story from this person or that poor guy in the crow's nest? I mean, it, it's just one of the, I want to hear about that character. And uh, and then when you start hearing about other characters, talking about characters we already know and love, to be able to see their perception. Because, I mean, who else in this room wouldn't love to be able to hear, like, 
oh wait, yeah, I was in this room and this great glorious thing happened, but here's this person who watched it all happen. Uh, they Their perception of that is so exciting and we got in a gigantic book of it. I, I mean, out, out of the universe, what I loved was uh, this was an anthology that was bringing in a bunch of different writers with a bunch of different backgrounds that had never written Star Wars before and giving them the opportunity to play in the sandbox. And I I just loved going through each of these stories and just getting a getting a Star Wars Star Wars from a writing perspective we hadn't seen before. So what is it we, we talked about the tales of anthologies, so how exactly do you guys feel? This might be more specifically for Alex, but uh, how do you feel it stands out from those anthologies? Whoever else wants to answer. Uh, I, I like that. I, I think it was more emotionally written, more emotionally driven. The stories felt like they weren't there to just fill in gaps uh, or answer questions. They were there because they were really great stories. And, mm-hmm. and they also just surprised me with a lot of the choices that they, of the characters that got stories about them, like, Coltac, right, or Dr. Afra, like, who would have thought that we'd get a story about her? I agree. I think there were so many unexpected stories in there, like the, the story from um, about the Dianoga, you know, like, I never would have expected to have loved that one as much as I did. I think I joked um, that they would do that one. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, like, they'll do one, then they actually did. And, and it then was it's like, like this super emotional, impactful. like, <laughs> philosophical story. Welcome to Star um, Wars! <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, because, I mean, you know, you look at the tales from Moss Isley Cantina, and, you know, it's like, it's all the, the characters that you saw, but then I like that this one was was really getting creative with the point of views that we, we got to see. With all of her tone of it, mm-hmm. it was so reverential. You know, it was like it just—they took it very seriously, but at the same time, was also not afraid to make a wink at something. Yeah, they were having fun, but you know, because out of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of talk, going back to talking about tone, um, what got me was you at one moment be reading an incident report, which if you not read that one. <laughs> Actually, has, has everyone in here read the book? <laughs> Has anyone, let me ask another question. Has anyone in here not read the book? Okay. We're going to play a little something. <laughs> because you really have to experience this part to understand it. Because it starts with, it didn't make him right, you know. It made him angry. It made him violent. But it didn't make him right. And at which point he goes on about how, uh, this is, I can't remember which officer it is, but saying that, it's Mahdi. Yeah. Lord Vader is entitled to his religious opinions, but he may not choke me with his religious opinions. <laughs> and it's like, I don't go into his force meetings and talk about armaments. Yeah. <laughs> 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 upon him. Yes. And it goes on we for these like five pa- Oh, I have. I wish to take this opportunity to point out that I have no objection to the gentleman's religious beliefs, and nor do I object to the prospect of working with Lord Vader again in future, assuming the Empire is willing to take all necessary, necessary precautions to ensure public safety, <laughs> and with Lord Vader's personal guarantee that he will confine himself to using words to win arguments in future as befits a ranking member of the Imperial Council and save acts of out-and-out violence for members of the Rebel Alliance. There is not a period in there. <laughs> that's, Ma- that's Mallory Ortberg. Yes, yes. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, but then you have a story like that immediately followed by Change of Heart, which is an imper- the Imperial uh, trooper watching Leia get tortured. And then it goes straight to Eclipse, <laughs> which is a lighthearted tale about the Queen of Alderaan and Bale 
And how Alderaan had a moon for one day. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> Hashtag always too soon. Um, but it's, to me, that's part of what makes the book special is you can you can get those those changes of tone so quickly. So let's start. Do you guys want to start happy or start sad? They're all kind of both, I feel yeah. like. You got, you got to pick one. Do we want to go happy okay. or want to go happy let's or sad first? Happy, happy okay. First. Happy. So. What stories made us laugh the most? I've already said I love the mouse droid story. Well, it also made me cry. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, the mouse droid story for sure, but the Sith of data work, um, the one at the beginning uh, about the Imperial officer trying to help the gunner like cover his tracks for why he didn't shoot down the escape pod. That one was a funny one. Oh, uh, Born in the Storm is another one where it's a sand trooper filing out his incident report um, and being like, yeah, well, the droids, they were... I just really want to ride a two-back. Oh, <laughs> and it's narrated by Daniel Jose Older, which is really adds to it in the audiobook. And I was going to ask if anyone had read or listened to the audiobooks oh, no, yeah, of yeah, this. Oh, my uh, goodness. So good. It's, it's like a whole other book at yeah. that point. The performances yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, Mer, Mer Lafferty's Not for Nothing about figuring Dan and the modal nodes. That was just <laughs> delightful. <laughs> I really like End of Watch by Adam Christopher, which is um, basically the person on the other end of the radio for most of uh, A New Hope. So, like, there's lines like, we have a princess. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, there's a princess? Pamela <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is just doing her best. Yeah, she's trying her best. and uh, um, But, like, all the things that she doesn't know about the Death Star operations, because it's so big that she can't possibly know anything, or everything, rather. And sort of the, the call-ins to that were just... I love the idea that like the same person is always on the other end of that radio, <laughs> and Tar and they're like, "Oh my God, we're talking to Tarkin! Oh my God, we're talking to Tarkin! What is Tarkin talking about?" <laughs> I don't think it made me laugh so much, but I remember really, really loving stories in the sand. I just fell in love with Jot the Jawa. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that he was adorable. Oh, and I also really liked the what was it the the clue horn caper oh, about goodness. like just the sort of like classic Ocean's Eleven style heist in the cantina <laughs> about like some like musical instrument and that one was a really fun one. It is, it, and that's a journey. That yeah, one. that one. It's, it's, just, like, it's the <laughs> longest payout, and it's like so worth it because you're like. What is, oh yeah. <laughs> Boy, I was excited the diffractions were doing one, but getting that story out of right. Them. <laughs> What about the ones that made you cry, but more specifically, the ones you didn't necessarily expect to make you cry? Like, I'm pretty sure the minute we all saw Eclipse and they told us who it was about, we all went, well, this is fine. <laughs> what about the unexpected ones? The Mon Mothma story. Oh. Um, that one was, yeah. for, that was for those who haven't read it, it's the quick summary is that it's her um, being evacuated from Yavin and going through different scenarios, assuming that they are going to fail on the Death Star and whether she's going to turn herself in to the Empire to kind of save the rest of the um, the people from getting hunted down or continue on the rebellion. And so it, it basically has her drafting a concession speech. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, it, it shows the gravity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That you know this one person has on her shoulders, and and how it can just exponentially grow. And oh, I, for me, it was I mean from the get go, from the very very beginning. Um, I and with uh, Ramus and being able to hear you know this character, you see him, and it like and the fact that you're not there's families on both sides. You've got families of the of the rebels. You got you know there's a stormtrooper out there that has a family. I mean, it's it's one of those type of situations that you're going to go ahead and, and be able to see that there's ramifications down the road. 
there are people that are never going to be able to say goodbye to uh, and what these folks have been able to give up uh, in order to be able to have that, that glimmer of hope. Uh, grounded, I believe Greg Rekka wrote that one about the mechanic who is internally monologuing uh, details about each pilot she hears shot down over the radio. Yeah. And that... It's just a constant stream, and by the end of it, uh, you're you're just a wreck. Mine think, was, sorry, mine was the red one by Ray Carson. I was going to say the same thing, <laughs> uh, which is about the droid with the bad motivator, um, and how like because it's one of those ones that you just don't expect. You're like, haha, funny droid story. Oh wait, no, Star Wars. <laughs> just yeah, the, the, he <laughs> just wanted you have a got purpose me again. Literally every time. No Why do we keep falling Jedi for this? Yeah, no yeah. But he he so desperately wanted to just like just be owned. owned. Yeah, and then he gave that up for R two D two. And then I, I mentioned this earlier, but Master and Apprentice did make me me cry a lot. But it wasn't like a, a sad cry. It was more of a like deeply emotional. Just like I love these two people so much. <laughs> You're gonna get a whole book about. I them. know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I think Lena's was the sucker punch for me. Oh. So that was... <laughs> Weetan! <laughs> that. Um, because, you, you know, you're reading this story about this this rebel officer who who's writing this, recording this message to his baby daughter. You know, they've, he's lost the, his wife. And, you know, he sent her off on a way because he's doing what he thinks is best. Except he sent her to Alderaan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh... Oh no. <laughs> um so let's see what can go back. Actually, you can just like... feel the countdown in the background too. Yeah. yeah I mean because yeah. that's the other part about this book is that the timing it, it feels you know so much like the movie. You literally can sit there and go, Oh wait, they're there at that oh no. You know, and it just <laughs> run. I think it was uh Tom, who's one of the editors who works at Delray, he mentioned it's a fun prod well fun. <laughs> project to to read the stories while you're watching a new hope and to you know so like when you start it watch ramus and then start and hit play and then kind of work your way through each story and it you get that further background to everything but christine uh you brought up the audiobook earlier and this is a really special production um i'm not really an audiobook person because i am a freak of nature who reads absurdly fast uh but i started listening through it because they have multiple audiobook narrators uh they have mark thompson um they have a lot of the other regular ones and then they got people like uh daniel jose older to read his story janina gavankar read end of watch john ham read the boba fett story <laughs> which really never expected that one that was the only way to write a boba fett story okay. yeah. <laughs> but did you i just want to let you talk a little bit about the audiobook and is it something you think people who are like me who don't really ever listen to audiobooks, is this something they should make an exception for? Well, listening to an audiobook is a special skill. It's something that, that needs to be learned. It's being able to process words uh, and imagery on a different a different level. Yeah. And many a times when I'll do a reading uh, of a book, I'll read it, and then, um, depending on what book it is, might do a direct reread after that, and then go to the audiobook. And it's almost like reading the book for the first time again. Uh, this book in particular was so glorious because of the artists that they had, uh, that they've chosen, and the performances they gave. It, you can literally close your eyes and see the, the movie going on in front of you because you already have the movie in your head. And you know this character is standing right back there. Um, as an added note to this, I, I'm from New York City, and weird things happen when you're in New York. 
And I'm also a member of Rebel Legion, and we were at an event, and a gentleman came up to me, and I asked him if he was uh, familiar with Rebel Legion. And he goes, yeah, I was actually interested in, in signing up for it. And I was like, great, well, I can help you out with a costume. And I, I said, I sew. He uh, then goes, well, I'll give you my card. He hands me this card, and it's a nice-looking gentleman with a fancy microphone in front of him and all of these books behind him. <laughs> And I all of a sudden went, hello, Mr. Thompson. I'll make you look like Obi-Wan. That's not a problem. That's a great costume. I've seen it in action a couple times. It, and, oh, wow. and so it's one of those type of situations that um, to be able to meet writers, to be able to meet the, the, the voice artists, uh, and then in preparation for this panel, I listened to it again. And of course, this is just a couple of months after reading Mark. I do believe there was one text that was, Mark, please don't bother me right now. I'm listening to you being scary. <laughs> uh, so I also told him he was no longer being able to use the uh, Tarkin voice amongst my presence. <laughs> so uh, it's, 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 oh, he's so creepy. So the performances that they're putting in for, for Tarkin, for Yoda, for Vader, for all of these different characters are so spot on. You literally can close your eyes and watch the movie in your head from a different point of view and it is magic and the music and the timing and it's it's really good star wars audiobooks are i don't listen to a lot of audiobooks either um but they're a production they are and there's like music and sound and their their readers are always really into it and mark is outstanding um and like they've they've managed to get um a lot of the actors to come and do the audiobooks. So Kelly Marie Tran mm -hmm. reads um, Elizabeth Wayne's Cobalt Squadron, mm -hmm. and um, Ashley Eckstein read the Ahsoka book, and like it's just it's just been absolutely wonderful. Kate, I want you to talk a little bit about your story and all that process that goes behind it. Okay, um, so I collaborated yeah. with Ashley Eckstein on this project, which was amazing. If you have never met Ashley Eckstein. Mm -hmm. She's like the perfect human person. She's just so great. And so we were having we were having dinner after a book event and I was very tired and she was like, "So they want us to write, or they want me to write a story for this project at Delray." And I was like, "I don't really want to do it without Kate." And I was like, "Thanks." And then um so she came up with the story and like what the story was going to be. She wanted female pilots in the front row of the medal presentation. And um I was like, "Oh yeah, I can totally do that. I can totally do that." And so we sat down and we, we went to sort of like talk about what the story was going to be. And then um, we workshopped it a little bit. And then I sort of filled out around our outline what we what we were going to do. And um, and then Carrie Fisher passed away. And I like usually when I feel that sad, I watch Star Wars and I, I couldn't. <laughs> and it was really, really hard. And so this was actually the first thing I wrote after um, after she passed. And it was like how I worked through all of my emotions. And I wasn't sure if I had done it properly um, until uh, we were at a con and we were allowed to read like a really short, they, they were like, they opened, they reprogrammed our microchips and whatever. We were allowed to like read a very brief section of the story. And so I read the very beginning of By Whatever Sun. And when I looked up, everyone in the room was crying. And I was like, well, guess I've done it. <laughs> so it was like, it was one of the more difficult things I've ever done, but I think not at all for the reasons I was expecting. And working with Ashley and working with Elizabeth was, was fantastic. But again, it was just such like a, such so more collaborative than any of us were expecting, I think, because the fan response was so tremendous and the audiobook response was so tremendous and all that kind of stuff. So it was, 
it was quite an experience. Um, but it was it was a good one. I was at the New York Comic Con after right after this launched and watching everyone come up and get the book and then be really excited about it was something super special to see. Um, so obviously they did, they did this one for the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. There's a lot of other Star Wars movies, guys. <laughs> so if they were to do uh, something like this for another Star Wars... <laughs> okay, Kate, you've kind of already done it. <laughs> um... But if they were to do it for another Star Wars film, and for the purposes of this, let's remove Rogue One, Empire, and Jedi out of the equation. So if they were to do it for a prequel film or a sequel trilogy film, what story would you like to see? Sabe in Phantom Menace. (laughs) Okay, aside from the handmaidens, (laughs) because that is also my answer, so I'm putting a a stop on that one for at least half the table. (laughs) Coruscella. Yeah. Yeah. They already did that. There's nothing left of our hearts. (laughs) That's a valid point. (laughs) I I think I want Baron Papanoida outside of the opera. Let's get inside George Lucas's head. (laughs) I I know you said I couldn't do Empire, but I've got a great one for Empire. You can say Empire, but you have to come up with another one within the parameters. I I can do that. Um, I, I... this one's going to get meta. So, in Empire Strikes Back, Bren Derlin is played by John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger is Cliff Clavin on Cheers. John Jackson Miller is a huge Cheers fan. <laughs> wrote a Cheers analog in one of his books. I would love for John Jackson Miller to write a Bren Derlin story full of Bren Derlin facts. Hey, uh, Princess, it's a uh, little-known fact that I heard of Bantha only move as fast as the slowest one. And I will now think about another answer that fits in your parameters. I can see that happening. I have, it's weird because I have my empire and it's all ready to go, but now I have to think. It's all the same answer. I'm like, there's going to be a pitch There's going to be a pitch yeah, battle over that one. If it, ever, if it ever happens, there's going to be a pitch <laughs> battle over that one. But my request is that they title it, I Scream, You Scream, We All Scream Imperial Occupation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I do have a sequel trilogy one for you <laughs> Please now. Please go ahead, Brian. Uh, I really want a Jess Pava story. Yes. And Kelly Sue would be my dream writer for that. Oh, actually, I would love a story from the perspective of the nuns on uh, the on Force on the Force Island. Oh, the caretakers. Oh, the caretakers. Yeah, uh, that would. At any point during the movie, I feel like <laughs> the there is caretakers. I'm like who? Fish yeah, like the fish nuns. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, like, oh, I want an Unfairness Squad-related one, and then I realized that's basically the DLC. Um, <laughs> ooh, Captain Kennedy. That's yes. what I want. Yes. I want a Kennedy story. The worst morning ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets sad. Yeah. I want these children to these, stuff. These dang First Order children. children. <laughs> Do you guys want to say, do you have other Empire ones you want to say? I'll allow it. I'm good. Um, Lobot. Oh. <laughs> Written by Charles Soule because yes. he's a monster. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. He's all Charles Soule, you are a menace. He is. I yell at him all the time. Oh, actually, I would yes. love I would love an Ewok story. Yeah. Like, from Ooh. the point of view of an Ewok in uh, Return of the Jedi. That would be really neat. 
I'll say, speaking of Charles Soule and Lobot, if you have not read the Lando miniseries that came out a few years ago, please do that and like have a box of tissues ready yeah. for issue five. because <laughs> It will rip your heart out. Um, so out of a lot of the authors who were in this anthology, it was a nice mix of those we had known from Star Wars writing before and those who this was the very first Star Wars thing they ever wrote. So who were some of the authors that you were uh, introduced to or maybe you knew about before uh, we wrote in this anthology and now you're really hoping they get to write a full book and we cannot talk Merle Lafferty and Danny Jose Older do not count or anyone else who has a book coming out. Nettie Okorafor. I've, I've loved her Binti trilogy and I was super excited to see when she was uh, announced as part of the project and I would love for her to get a, a full length novel. What would you like to see her write? Oh gosh. I mean, I don't even know because I feel like she has such an interesting take on sci-fi and I think something force related would be really cool because I mean, that's kind of what she did. She wrote the Dianoga story for those of you who don't have the book in front of you, um, which does deal with the force in a way you wouldn't expect. And I think she would be really good um, with something sort of related to something just more mystical and fantastical, that that side of story of Star Wars. Um, I'd love to see a YA Poe Dameron from Zoraida Cordova. Um, I think that would be, one, hilarious, and two, um, she would be a really good choice for it. Uh, I didn't know Pierce Brown before this, and he wrote the big story, and then I read his uh, Red Rising book, which I really liked. I'd love to see him write something else. I have no idea what. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> oh, I guess a big, a whole big story. <laughs> a big trilogy. Have you read all of them, Alex? Have you read all four no, of them? No, I've only read the first one so far. Oh, dear. We'll talk I'm, to you later. I'm... Oh, dear. <laughs> I feel like you stole my answer. I have to come up with a different one now. Uh, I, I, this was hard because uh, I keep going down this list. like, oh, wait, they got one after this. And so did yeah. this person. And yeah. so did this person. Uh, which is another reason I love this book. I feel like uh, for a, it was a little bit of a testing ground in new talent pool. Um, I, I'm going to throw in another vote for uh, Nettie Carrefour. I mean, it's very much what I was thinking. And, like, the, the idea of, like, the, the concept of the, the Force, but not as a, like, a religious base, yeah. but as a power base. Which is, which is good, because, I mean, I sometimes feel like the movies get too caught up into, like, the Jedi versus Sith thing with mm-hmm. when it comes to the Force, when it's so much bigger than that. And yeah. that was so great to see more of that. You know, I'm looking at the list, and I have no idea what I want to see her write, but Meg Cabot. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I'd be very interested to see her write a, a middle grade middle grade book in Star Wars. Yeah. Like All something right. about resistance, maybe? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. No. Also, because Princess Atakaway is so... So oh! fantastic. <laughs> and the light bulb goes off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just need a moment. If you guys have questions, feel free to start lighting up the microphone. I'm going to need a second to process that. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole experience, actually. Again, pro hat back on. Um, was when we were doing the signing with like 500 copies of the book and there was so many people... Um, all of the adult authors were like, oh, it's wonderful to meet you, Meg Cabot. Like, it's cool, whatever. And all of the YA authors were like, it is wonderful to meet you, Meg Cabot. We are so honored and not at all completely losing our minds. Thank you for building our genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, it was, so it was hilarious to watch, like, the back and forth between, like, the adult authors who were, like, totally relaxed and all the kid-lit authors who were like, <laughs> <laughs> And were all the comic book writers who were there just being like, this is, these are novels. These are not comics. <laughs> 
it was it was fun. I sat next to Karen Gillan. He has a worse signature than mine. But the best part was like the other two were John Jackson Miller and Jason Fry, who have these like beautiful calligraphy signatures. Yeah. So like at one point I looked over and there's this like stack of 250 books between me and Jason because he's writing his name really slowly and both Karen and I just have like K scribble. Yeah. And then so there's this like stack of books between us. We're like, dude, get a move on. Like can, 10, degrees in here. can I ask Kate a question real quick? <laughs> yes. Uh, were there any stories or characters that people did get into fights over? Like who got I the right? I don't know, you know because that? I got, um, I was invited through Ashley. So like I didn't, so I think some people, they were just like, Hey, who do you want to write? And that's how it went for some of them. Um, but mine was really specific. So I, I don't even know. Yeah. We're generally pretty affable. So like, <laughs> I mean, people would just like, there was a couple that have like nods to each other, I think, yeah. in them. Um, but that's just sort of how it how it breaks out. Yeah. Um. So I have a comment about a couple of uh, stories from all, all the trilogies that I would uh, like to see. So we're gonna um, allow you to have a comment, but future, because you're a kid and you're awesome. Yeah, sorry. However, <laughs> no. Questions have question marks. They're usually like one or two sentences, but he's Sorry. cute. So, no, you're cute. You can ask questions. You're fine. Or just go for it, kid. Um, so, I would like to see a uh, more funny-sided story about the droid that Anakin was standing on in Revenge of the Sith <laughs> when he was battling Obi-Wan on the Mustafar. That, I think that would be really funny. Please tweet Delray right now. At Darth Internus. We have a story. I'm sorry, what's your next one? I'm not here to top that. So, one from the original trilogy is from Empire Strikes Back. I would like to see one from the perspective of the probe droid that found the base on Hoth. And for the sequel trilogy, I would like to see one from The Last Jedi about uh, Admiral Holdo's, Vice Admiral Holdo's last moments. Yeah. Which would be a more, <laughs> a more sad one. Starts, starts with the funny, then it ends sad. I feel like you have a bright future as a Star Wars author, kid. I don't know how I can top that. Yeah, uh... Nancy, I need you to remember there's a question mark. There is a question. <laughs> yes, okay. I have a question. Okay. So, with Master and Apprentice, obviously we're getting a full-length book sort of in the same theme. Were there any stories that made you say, I would love a whole book about just this subject? Besides the, Biggs, Adam. The Trigger. <laughs> the Trigger about Dr. Chelly Lana Afra by Kieran Gillen. That was actually my answer, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I have a no. I would like. I would read an entire collection of incident reports by 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 Monty. I yeah. I would, I would just read an entire trilogy of him just being like, and then he did this, and then that, and then that Orson Credit fellow. Actually, actually, one that I would like to have seen because um, I liked the story well enough, but I, I it didn't quite land for me. Would be something about Baru, um, and her relationship with Luke, and and something sort of like maybe like a young Luke story, but, like, mostly focused on her and, you know, how she feels about having this, like, infant child, like, dump on her doorstep, basically, and having to keep him, you know, safe from the Empire. Well, very much the that and then crossover with the, the novelization of The Last Jedi at the beginning mm -hmm. where you've got... Oh God, um, that wrecked my heart. Oh, God, now my brain is... Uh, Sort of the like, like what Cam if... Yeah, Cammy. Uh, yeah. uh, oh. That kind of, like, just the, the idea of 
that world yeah. it is so it's it's beautiful and it's it's right on the edge of seeing everything. Mm-hmm. Jason Fry is also a menace. <laughs> okay. What Star Wars author is not a menace? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm expecting you to rip my heart out with that. Wait, let's revisit that after the Padme book comes out. <laughs> she made me cry on mass transit. That's not fair. <laughs> Uh, I think I'd like to see more from Long Snoot. I was surprised that I, uh, I, I was actually intrigued by like what he was up to, and I'd like to see where his story goes. So. Delilah Dawson. Or more from J- the Jawa. Yeah. Yes. Was I like uh, Raren by Saba Seher. I was surprised when you guys were talking about the happy ones. No one mentioned the meta story about the Guardians of the Wills talking about the order it was published in. But serious question, uh, I've been excited about this book and this panel, and a few other Star Wars fans have you know, complained about inconsistencies. And I was just wondering if you guys would talk about that at all, because I breezed past those. Any of them, I gave it a second thought. I thought this was just the greatest experience. I did the audio book, which was a mistake calling on customers because I'd show up crying after a story. <laughs> but uh, inconsistencies. I think it's partially because the book has a very weird status in canon. Um, it's partially canon and it's partially not. And also it's all fake and in space. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of it is just having to, to be, like, acknowledge more of, like, the artistic license of it. Like, I mean, obviously Palpatine doesn't go around spouting off Shakespearean monologues, but it's you funnier that, that way. <laughs> I mean, true, fair, fair, fair point, fair point. <laughs> but, like, because I had a friend who was like, well, that's dumb, he doesn't speak like that in the movies, why do they do that? I'm like, because it's funnier that way. Like, <laughs> like you know, and it's just like, you know, there's always a little bit of, like, unreliable narrator if yeah. you want to and make this make book a, is yeah. full of unreliable narrator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, like, 44 of them. Um, I like Tim Zahn's answer about, um, like the stories you tell around a campfire. And I think honestly, they liked that because I've heard him give that answer several times now. And I think they liked that answer so much. They wrote two books about it. One of them is this. And the other one is the legends of Luke Skywalker, which is hilarious if you've ever read it. And it's just like, which one of those books is real and are any of them? And do we care? And I love that idea of like it, it, it's taken its space, but it also happened a long time ago. And like, the legends have sort of transcended. So I like that there's a little bit of freedom there. And even like the broad strokes of the stories are generally always the same. It's just the minute details that tend to vary. And like, that's again, that's something that I'm not ever going to really get too caught up on because you're never, you're never ever, even with a story group going to have a perfectly airtight canon. Like it's just unrealistic to expect that. And you have to make peace with that. I think. If you enjoy fun, you will make peace with it. Yeah. I will never escape that until I get prom- so until I get promoted or get out of the army. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sorry. The cosplay has to be ready for celebration. I guess I know. Yeah. So you may you brought up a very good point, Bria, about the business of reading and watching. For you guys, in subsequent viewings of A New Hope after you've read this book, what scene as you watch it? Are you having a, a one of these stories playing in your mind like permanently where it's seared in there? Well, the Battle of Yavin hurts a lot more now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I knew Pierce Brown was going to break my heart because I had read the Red Rising trilogy. And if you have emotions, you won't after that book, um, or that series. But 
I mean, definitely the the whole opener with Leia getting captured. I mean, especially with the context of Rogue One as well. And it's just like, you know, it starts out from this, oh, cool, open, you know, space battle. And you're just like, oh, my God, they're all going to die. I find I laugh really inappropriately at Tarkin a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like he has it coming, but um, there's, would appreciate there's a lot of, like... And I think Peter Cushing would be okay with that too. He wore bunny rabbit slippers. Like um, that like Tarkin will do something and he's like very serious, evil British guy. And you're like, <laughs> they don't even know there's a princess on the station. <laughs> well, actually and- the Empire is a good point because I love uh, so I'm in the 501st, so I have a I like my Imperial officers. It's fine. Uh, so I love seeing the stories like the one that Adam Christopher did and then Ken Blue, where I'm just like, oh, I love the bureaucracy. You guys are all just doing your best. And now you're trying to make sure you don't get in trouble. So I know like when I'm watching the first one, the escape pods, Ken Blue's story is definitely the back of my mind. Uh, actually, speaking of Ramus, um, that one that one really helps uh, frame ju- that A New Hope really is a hot minute after yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. 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 Um. By whatever sun is literally, I mean, that scene is so very, very important uh, in my mind. It's just, it's, it's so beautiful. It's one of those things we look back and we're like, oh, everyone looked gorgeous. It's a, it's a big celebration. And it's not, it's actually a remembrance. Everybody who is there has lost somebody. And we see all those nameless, faceless, you know, folks in the helmets and we're reminded. And it's so uh, close to real life that it's yeah it makes it it makes it so more palatable i was gonna say tk421 just <laughs> he was just it's... a number until now to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, with with the mouse droid just a boy in his droid, droid. <laughs> i i have a, a friend who uh is a cosplayer of tarkin and we've we've joked that we're the next con we're gonna steal his underwear and make themed underwear for everything and one of them is going to say property of tk421 <laughs> Don't tell him. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I just got so sad during that story, though, because, like, the mouse story didn't necessarily... He didn't get it. And then the... <laughs> they just cared so much about him. Error system failure. <laughs> the droid goes through an error system failure multiple times. It and the Tarkin fixes him up a little bit and replaces his wheel treads. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> Hi, guys. So in There Is Another, you know, we see that Yoda wanted to train Leia initially. How do you think the story would have ended up initially if Leia had been the one trained instead of Luke? Wait, are we talking, like, train, like, she still went to Alderaan, and, or, like, no, she like was when her and Luke had been switched, and Leia was the one trained as the Jedi and not Luke. I have a lot of feelings about this. Sort yeah, there's of. some great fan art about. Oh, this. yeah, that too. Because uh, it's like because whenever I watch the movies, what always strikes me is that Leia is very much Anakin's daughter, whereas like Luke is is far more like Padme, you know. And and so I always I I, I do think about that a lot. Like, how would things have gone differently if Leia had been the one fighting Darth Vader on Bespin or whatever? Because I feel like I feel like it all would have come out okay in the end, but I think there would have been a lot more ups and downs and because uh, she's a very angry person a lot of the time and it, i mean she channels it well but she she has that that anger from anakin i like to imagine that would have been exactly the same honestly like just everybody they just switch spots <laughs> and everything else sort of plays out the same wasn't there an infinities comic about that yeah, yeah. it was yeah, i haven't but, read it in a long time but, anyway. but i don't know though because leia's a slytherin 
And Luke <laughs> isn't. So I feel like you have to have different choices going on there. I think it wouldn't go exactly the same. No, because he would have been... Well, wait, wait. <laughs> well, he would have been on Alderaan, right? If they switch? Well, no, like, it's in the story. Like, oh. You know, hmm. Like, they still were raised on their planet. Oh, wait, so they have the yeah. same They have the same backstory, but yeah. they're only the training okay. switch. Yeah. Um, I, still, I still like to imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if she would have been able to pull Darth Vader back. The yeah, because yeah, she's much more, she has much a, a much larger piece of him. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And she's a little angrier. Like that in Bloodline, where, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, it's like she can't really, finds it hard to forgive the fact that he blew up her planet and universe. And, yeah, which is I, valid, yeah, pretty yeah. valid. Like, that'll linger. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how much it would change, but I love, I just have this wonderful mental image of my head of Leia trying to deal with Troll Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of the fan art someone did of of Leia with still with the double buns, but in Luke's Return of the Jedi outfit, which is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah. If Leia had a problem with a short stormtrooper, I can't even imagine what she would say against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Next question. That's okay. Uh, so talking about the canon thing again, and like you mentioned, it's a weird. Is it canon? Is it not canon? Um, there are some stories in this, and I, I promise there's a question in here, but there are some stories in this book that are obviously not like the Wills one, for example. I think we can, I, I'm just, totally I'm just saying, what are you talking about? I'm going to talk about headcanon is my question <laughs> is, is headcanon. So, but there are some in there that in my headcanon, like you'll never tell me Darth Plagueis is not canon until something happens that contradicts it in my head. Yeah. But there's a couple of stories like that in this book, like the Yoda one and the Obi-Wan one. So I was wondering to y'all, which ones do you consider in your headcanon? definitely happened and which ones do you consider definitely did not happen from this book yeah, specifically from this book. Mm-hmm. i mean i like to think that they all happened uh you know yeah. and actually sort of going back to your point about how you consider darth Plagueis canon and so not i actually really love that john jackson miller did a tie-in to his kenobi novel which is technically legends but there's not really anything that like contradicts it in current canon that so book like, is canon i it, don't care it happens. I when that was like the one scene that i was prepared to fight for in ahsoka was i was like i put in the scene where i may have accidentally made that canon i hope that's okay with everyone because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i really like that book a lot <laughs> yeah and as as somebody who continually on on panels or social media or whatever has to defend leia's right to be a force user and a yes. skywalker yes um if it's written and it's got the seal of approval on it, it's canon. Um, and so it, it's a, that's just kind of the end of it. At that point, whether you, cho- again, the conversation of I don't, I do or do not need a book to substantiate my viewing pleasure of a movie, uh, that gets into a totally and completely different thing. But if it's, if it's produced and given to the public by the franchise, it's canon. Yeah, I consider them all to have just happened. They're just some of them are interpretations that are silly, like the yeah. Wills one or the Shakespearean. Or the, um, the Dantooine little yeah, 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 yeah. image. Yeah. Yeah. This one is totally <laughs> canon. <laughs> that is absolutely canon. <laughs> some, of, some of them like, changed my interpretation of movies so much that I was curious which one. Like, oh, 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 gotcha. Like, okay. like, this is now Hold on, can you, can you give us an example? That's okay. My entire interpretation of the yeah, oh, okay. 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 I got it. I got it. I think we're all misinterpreting your question. Um, the Yoda one 
uh, Master and Apprentice. Yeah, yeah. The ones that deal with the Force a lot. Yeah. Time yeah. of Death. That, that tends to be, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Obi-Wan Death. Kenobi story by Kevin Scott, where it's, like, kind of going back and forth between all these points in his life. Um, <laughs> the mechanic. Of yeah. Mouse and Men. Well, yeah, that's that's monumental. Uh, Eclipse for me, because I, you always hope that that would be quick, and it's not. They saw it coming, and that's horrible. Alderaan had a moon for one day. Still, like, yeah. uh, duty roster is definitely canon for me yeah. now. I actually really like how they did that, because everyone knows about Fake Wedge, right? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like that he found, he took what should have been, like, a two minute joke and turned it into a whole story that had like real emotional weight behind it like that really Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh he actually you know what Chuck Wendick's story yes oh, yeah. <laughs> we're the bartender we're the bartender with his PTSD and uh, why he the... hates droids is because uh, he yeah. the clone the separatist we did so at WonderCon we based there's a microphone speak into it thank you <laughs> if you like the Wooer story you can find we did a mock trial based on Wooer's character from that story, and as a defense counsel for the cantina, basically R two and C three PO sue the cantina for discrimination, <laughs> <laughs> and we had a fantastic Wooer cosplayer, and we played up that PTSD angle, and it was beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was that was a good one. That definitely changed my entire interpretation of uh, of that little tiny like two yeah. second moment that story i think was the most out of left field yeah for me in a good way thanks chuck and also <laughs> dang wendig all right all right and also holiday special came in actually i was saying did anyone see that coming and then i remembered it's chuck wendig like, yeah, right. that was the least surprising thing yeah. so then it was gonna bring holiday <laughs> special it's chuck wendig <laughs> sorry you had a question uh, yeah, so the mention of the novelization of The Last Jedi actually brought this to mind and also kind of goes along with your question. If there were an anthology of alternate history for Star Wars, what stories would you be interested in seeing? Okay. Either from this book or from any Seriously. of the other trilogies. Thank you for coming to me. <laughs> Hooray! Now, now, we're a t- now we're a Tales of panel. <laughs> no, my favorite favorite alternate universe concept is Leia is on Tatooine and Luke is raised on Alderaan. So Leia Skywalker and Luke Organa. I have read many a fanfic in that reign. Actually, my favorite is uh, Padme Doesn't Die. And she, uh, I was like, in, in my in my headcanon, everyone still goes away because she doesn't really know at first like what she's going to do because on the run, twin babies, what the heck? Uh, and the, her first thought is to hide them. So Leia still goes to Alderaan for a little bit. And she sends Luke to Tatooine for a little bit, but then eventually is like, oh gosh, oh gosh, I have to. No, I'm raising my children. She takes Luke back, but Leia stays there for a little bit, and then she raises them and. And Luke goes by Luke Naberry and not by Luke Skywalker, and he terrifies the crap out of Vader. Yeah. Um, Luke memory wipes the droids and goes to the Imperial Academy. Ooh. Ouch. Uh, oh, also, also, this isn't really original trilogy based, but Bodhi Rook survives and becomes Finn's mentor. Aww. Yeah. I mean, I... I... Try to avoid Star Wars fan thinking as much as possible, just in case they hire me to write something someday. <laughs> um, and the only time it's ever been hard was after Rogue One, because I was like, all I want is every fix it that is ever going to be written <laughs> for this movie, and I can't read any of them. Um, but I guess the one thing that I would really love is um, 
Sharabay not dying. Oh, uh, yes. Um, and, and basically getting to sort of stick around longer. And um, one, because I'm against killing off moms as a general rule. And two, because um, I think it would sort of... I really love the idea of, of Leia with like a lot of emotional support. Um, like and, yeah. <laughs> and so any sort of, any sort of additional character we can give her um, to sort of round out that circle is, is fantastic. Oh, that's another one. Uh, Lyra Ursa survives. Oh, and her and Jin both go to Saw. Or, or Lyra Ursa is the brilliant scientist. That's yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically Lyra Ursa deserves better. So much better. I was going to say what Brian said, so no. You <laughs> <laughs> have to come up with a different one now. It's fun. Uh, I'm really interested in anything that is Leia and Vader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the like the Senate concept of it. I mean, like in books like this, it just, it, you know, you go, they're literally this close. They're literally this close. There's something about this. And that, fill in that blank, please, quickly, because I want to be able to talk about it. I think it's really Oh. We'll go have coffee, girl. We'll <laughs> so going on fanfic hour, um, we had sorry, a story Katie. about Dr. Afra, what she was doing in A New Hope. If you could see any other character that was introduced not in the movies and see their story in A New Hope, what would you like to see? I was going to say Ida Versio, but that doesn't count. She's I want to see Sinjirath Velas and Nora Wexley in that yeah. period more. <clears throat> Kira? If she's still Ooh. around? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hope, fingers crossed. <laughs> Sabine Wren. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Every day of the week. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, just any time I get to see the, the Rebels Ghost Squadron hanging oh. out, doing stuff. Grand Admiral Ray Salone? Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Everyone's like, "Oh yes, that one." <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be a personal best. We've been doing this for fifty-four minutes, and that's the first mention of Ray. <laughs> I really <laughs> personal best or personal worst. I don't know. I was like, yeah, it's either best or worst. And, and as a style note for everyone, if you're tweeting about this, Ray Salone is in all caps. Yes, that's Always. officially Del Rey approved. <laughs> it's AP style. Boy, if we're talking about uh, sequel trilogy stuff, I just want a short story of her and Grand Admiral Thrawn just complaining about the children. <laughs> oh, I want to know um, Ahsoka too, because there's there like a little sort of like weirdness in the time frame between like her duel with Vader and like. Um... <laughs> no, I mean like what like you know how did she get off Malachor? Like did she have to? Serving if I said that. So. <laughs> I'm like, really like, glad you did. Here for you, Kate. Um, no, like, how she got off Malachor, like, did she have to, like, scavenge together a ship out of, like, centuries-old parts or whatever, and then what happens next with her and Sabine, so. I was gonna ask, like, if there's any st- characters who didn't get stories that we wanted to get stories in A New Hope, but I think Nancy basically stole my question there. Mm-hmm. So let's just go with the general. What stories have we not talked about that you want to? Just, like, look at your list. <laughs> Because there's there's so many in here, it's hard to really yeah. go through them all. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about the mouse story. Oh, I actually really hour. liked um, Pablo Hidalgo's Tarkin story, and especially the bit where he was contrasting Tarkin with Krennic and how 
um, Tarkin was like a military man and Krennic was the engineer yeah. and Krennic, like the, at the very end, there's a flashback to Krennic on Scarif being like, Tarkin doesn't even understand the kind of power he has. Like, I would be totally willing to take the station offline for three months and find like whatever flaw the rebels put in there just to be sure. But like, even if it's not the most popular thing to do and just me, it had me thinking about like, how would things have gone differently if Krennic had been in charge of the Death Star during A New Hope? Uh, the angle, uh, the Lando story, um, just him watching the Death Star blowing up and seeing the Falcon fly by, uh, that, that was just fun. Yeah. Alright, why are you guys thinking? Go That's ahead, actually question. a great segue to my question, because, <laughs> so this book came out before Solo, reading that story again, and then, uh, thinking about it in the context of how Solo ends, like, how much fun is that for you guys? Very. Uh, super, super duper. Extremely. Everything about Solo, yes. What? Uh, Bump is another one that I was just like, who chose that? I love that choice of like that thing that we've laughed at for forever. That stormtrooper oh, that hits his yes. head on the door. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's tell his story. And that he has like a hangover from being mind tricked an hour ago. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> I loved all that. Yeah, and that was one of the ones that tied that tied into Daniel Jose Elders, right? Yeah. 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 This may be an unanswerable question, but I have to try because I wasn't expecting this to get a response. I tweeted, sorry, uh, this may be unanswerable, but I have to try. So I tweeted at Nanadi Okora for that we wanted her to do a Star Wars novel, and she replied that she wants Yoda. What do you think, and can we make this happen? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm totally down. Yes, probably. please, and I don't have that power. <laughs> I, I love a Yoda story not the old desktop adventure game um but yoda has been a character that's been so off limits for so long i don't know if it would happen actually you know there was back in legends yoda dark rendezvous which is one of my favorite legends books so it can be done i also really like like the way ian dacher writes yoda he does the shakespeare ones and yoda speaks a different form of poetry and everyone (laughs) yeah i mean none of us make calls but we're all for it you could you you, you could do another one like that where it's a Yoda adventure, but you're probably not getting Yoda backstory. Yeah, but then again, I mean, like Chuck Wendig basically got a whole trilogy just for asking about it on Twitter. So, you know, never say never. And, yeah, no, I, th- I think a, a Yoda story would be good in the context of, like, a Clone Wars or him on Dagobah, not necessarily backstory. Or at least not, like, If there's anybody super who long could backstory. write Yoda sits on Dagobah by himself for 16 years, mm-hmm. it would be her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any last thoughts before we... Uh... Start giving away books. I'm going to run. I'll be right back. Yes. Any last thoughts? It's a good book. Y'all should read it if yeah. you haven't. It's a there, good book, Brent. Like, there is, you are guaranteed to find at least one story that you love. Yeah.